Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast, Film Jerks, is truly one of the most spoiler-filled film podcasts ever recorded. It contains ridiculous opinions, which under no circumstances should be listened to by anyone that has a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset by film spoilers. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person, or parent of a young and impressionable child now listening, that you skip to the end of the podcast for our ratings and live your lives free of disagreeing with overtly opinionated people. You'll live longer. Film Jerks is a group where we, as a community, pick a film to watch, then discuss like little old ladies in a book club. Only our films have decapitations and nude slumber party pillow fights. If you wish to become part of the conversation and become a film jerk, go to the Facebook group and join. Film Jerks can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Smart Radio. Welcome to Film Jerks 2.0. This is our first episode of 2017. You probably heard everybody else's podcast say that, but this is our first episode of the year, and darn it, I'm going to enjoy it. So uh, we're going to start out by uh, introducing who we are and uh, basically tell us a little bit about how the start of the new year has been for you. I'm going to go to our guest jerk this evening once again we're being uh, joined by the movielicious mark the movie man tell us about your 2017 so far uh well we are 13 days in and i've uh watched uh five movies so far so i'm, I'm a little behind but uh, <laughs> i plan to catch up on that soon so uh, other than that uh so far so good though we did have a lot of snow mm. uh, so there is that and yeah that's Wisconsin. It's January. You're going to get that. Yes, definitely. Uh, also joining our panel tonight is the uh, luscious lipstick jerk herself, Angelique. Tell us about your 2017. Well, it's it started off a bit rocky, but, uh, you know, Atlanta had that giant ice storm. Uh, <laughs> it's everywhere. It's ice everywhere. You, you you realize you realize who you're talking to when you talk about ice and snow, right? Well, we're in Atlanta. You know, that's true. A dusting of snow shut down the interstate two years ago. So uh, <laughs> yeah. two inches, and, and Atlanta came to a standstill. But no, no, we uh we weathered the weather just fine, and you know it's just been kind of a, a crazy after the holidays kind of madness. I'm really happy that that today's Friday the 13th though. These are my favorite, favorite days. <laughs> awesome. Kill, 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 kill. <laughs> you know, it actually took me most of the day to realize why there were so many pictures of Jason on Facebook today. It didn't dawn on me that today was uh, Friday the 13th. Yeah. Your bow tie was on a little too tight there. You're and choking I think off was, my oxygen. <laughs> I don't think you were thinking quite straight there, son, <laughs> uh, but, but that's okay. Uh, and speaking of myself, uh, I am your bodacious bowtie jerk. Uh, my name is Paul. And uh, let's see, my 2017 has been very, very uh, interesting. I got to do all sorts of different things. In fact, today I got to help move our uh, data center 
uh, to a new location. So I got to do all sorts of circuitry and networking today. So it's kind of fitting. That is very fitting. Uh, Did you plug in? That's awesome. I, 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 there was no direct connection, unfortunately, uh, but there were a lot of different interfaces that I had to deal with. Uh, but uh, a lot of it was just me getting sore and, and you know, <laughs> complaining. Of, <laughs> not like that. Sorry. I'm like, that's what the kids call it nowadays. Interfacing. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you say tomato, I say uh, sexual innuendo. So that's okay. I love sexual innuendos. I bet <laughs> you do. You called? <laughs> <laughs> the movie that we're actually going to be talking about in the film jerks uh, in the discussion table is circuitry man in the future the war on pollution will be lost and civilization will move underground a world where the last frontier is the human mind a world where sex and drugs are computerized pleasures <laughs> this shit is pure They'll bring you a fortune in New York. Here, on a desperate flight for freedom, she must escape. With uh, full biosynthetic. One of the last. An enemy who is no longer human. And seek help from a man who is more than a man. I need to get to New York. You know how to run the maze. It is a race against time, against the guardians of the underworld. So I want to ride out of here. No room for passengers. Against the ravagers of the deserts. Against the one man who cannot be stopped. But must be destroyed. It's not the chips that I want. It's always been you. Circuitry Man did come out in uh, about 1990, 1989, around that time period. Uh, and it's essentially, uh, imagine a future where like most of the people have gone underground because the world is so polluted. Smog is like infested. They can, it's hard to breathe. You actually have to carry tanks of oxygen around with you. I love just saying oxygen, you know, because they say it that way in the film. Oxygen. Oxy. Oxy, Oxy, man. Oxy, yes. Yeah, give me that oxy, man. <laughs> Uh, and so, uh, it, and the story does kind of revolve around a main character named Lori. Uh, she's kind of a wannabe clothing designer who used to be a bodyguard, wants to get out of that lifestyle, make a better life for herself. So she wants to be a costume designer. Uh, and unfortunately, as you know, hard lives uh, come by, she's dragged back into the whole world of bodyguarding uh, by her former boss. Uh, in this particular case, boss's name is Juice. And uh, she supposedly has this one mission left where if she guards 
juice for this uh, drug deal. And the drugs in this world are narco chips, essentially. Uh, you, you know, we were talking about this earlier where we, you, you basically jack in or plug in. Well, that's what they're doing is they're plugging in chips directly to their brains and they're interfacing uh, with the chips. And uh, there's a, a, a bad guy, uh, the main antagonist in this film called Plughead. And uh, he essentially tries to uh, uh, basically take the chips and make money on it. Unfortunately, uh, or fortunately for us, the main hero, Lori, steals them instead. instead and she uh, basically hires uh, the services, <laughs> I say that loosely, of a love android named Danner to take her to New York. And that's essentially what this story is about, is her and Danner trying to get to New York and they meet all these strange people. And you, of course you get to meet inept cops and that sort of stuff along the way. Uh, and uh, what we'll do is we'll start out by uh, asking what your general impressions of the movie are and what are your uh, basically thoughts of the film? Uh, we're going to start out with Angelique. Well, <laughs> um, to me it was like a mix of um, Demolition Man and Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, good choices. And kind of Howard the Ducky, especially <laughs> with, with Plughead, you know, mm -hmm. that really just kind of brought that in there a little bit. Um, it was bizarre, but I, I you know, it was kind of funny. Like it wasn't like creepy or exciting. It was more just like, God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Um, it was very 80s, like I suppose, uh, like late 80s. What about you, Mark? What did you think about the movie? Yeah, this is this is like your classic B sci-fi 80s film. What I did like about it and what surprised me, well, it's 1990, but, uh, you know, at that tail end of that period, uh, one, it, it was fun. It, it has some charm to it. Uh, you know, you can see all those influences, especially since it came in at the end of the 80, you know, the, the, the decade of, uh, uh, you know, just ultimate sci-fi where we got so much sci-fi in the 80s. <laughs> and this kind of had a little bit of elements of just about any of the sci-fi films you may have watched during the 80s. They like just mixed it in a blender and put it in here. Uh, I, I, what surprised me for it is a film this early, uh, having actually two strong female characters in it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which I, I liked it was, it was refreshing surprise for this. And they, it, it, throughout the whole film, they don't even take th those characters. Don't take the, uh, approach, you know, they, they don't grow like you, you would suspect they would as in a cliche manner almost uh, along the lines of more of a night of the comet type of feel with the lady, uh, especially our hero mm -hmm. versus, um, yo-yo. <laughs> yeah. You know, with, well, with yo-yo, well, there's yo-yo, yep. uh, who, who also though, the, both of those two are actually this, probably the strongest characters in this film, even more so than Plughead, mm -hmm. who I got a kick out of, um, <laughs> But overall, yeah, I, I was surprised, but it is, even though it came out in 1990, it is like an amalgamation of a bunch of different 80s sci-fi film just blended together. 
Oh, definitely. Definitely. For me, uh, watching it back, it reminded me of uh, how much I was really into the cyberpunk movement back in that time period. And you're absolutely right, Mark. It, it goes in there and it has it has all the elements that you expect, at like an 80s, late 80s, early 90s type sci-fi film. It had the dystopian future. It had like, you know, uh like a biker gang with swords and you know Japanese people and <laughs> not that I'm trying to be racist or anything. No, um, we're talking late. We're talking eighties here. So <laughs> so yeah, they, they were a big thing, and it, it had all these elements and uh, amazing. Like uh, Angelique talked about how it, it reminded her of like Buck, Buckaroo Banzai. For me, it reminded me of um, Johnny Mnemonic and that sort of stuff. And ah. Uh, some of these lines that came up in the move me, uh, in the movie, and we'll talk about that as as we discuss the film a little bit more. Uh, they actually did end up being incorporated in my life, and it, it was surprising when I heard them. It was like, oh my goodness, I I used to say that to my friends, and they used to say it back to me, and it was weird. It, just, it was so bizarre. A story essentially starts out with this uh, weird entry scene. It was it was. I thought it was quite refreshing for the film. Uh, essentially, we're just going through these layers and layers of the earth, and you can see where they're kind of showing the same floor, but <laughs> they're just filming it in such a way with the credits that it kind of looks a little different each time they go through. And you, f you feel like you're, you're just descending and descending down until you reach... Uh, the, the main city. And it's like, what did you guys think about that? You know, that whole descending scene where there is, is that symbolic or is that just like just being cheap in, in filming or what, what did you guys think about that? The credit sequence on this is weird mm -hmm. because we get your standard uh, exposition text in the beginning that sets up the world. Yep. Basically we get the, in a world where the pollution is too horrible on the surface, the, <laughs> You know, the people have moved underground to live in a society that is filled with decadence and crime, you know, along that lines. And then we get like this uh, uh, scenery of of the sunrise over the desolation and we get the title credits and then we go to black with some credits and then we show a layer of black. And I'm like, <laughs> well. Well, that was just kind of, you know, abrupt. I'm like here, I'm thinking they're going to show, you know, some landscape while they do the credits. But no, they they go from a landscape shot to these layers. And I understand what they're going for. But I'm just like, wait, am I watching the same movie here? Wait, did, did we switch here? So I, I thought it was it was weird. It was interesting, mm -hmm. but it was just weird because the credits, uh, they felt a little too disconnected from each other. Interesting. In you know, because they use that repeat shot. Oh, and and the, the music that they had going over, it was uh, done by, I think, Deborah Holler, somewhere around that. Holland. Holland. And she actually does appear in the film as well. Uh, but that, what did you think about that song, Angelique, that started out the, the movie? Well, just for the entire movie, the musical choices were very... Um... <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, not in conjunction with what was going on at all. And like the, you know, the, the credit sequence, I was trying to figure out what was going on. I'm like, why do they keep showing this factory? <laughs> it's the same. Why are we in a factory? And then realizing, oh, we were going down. down. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of the movie just kind of with my head tilted like a beagle. 
<laughs> I was like, I was like, huh. So when we do finally get to meet the main character, she's in a compromising position. She's in bed with her, of her boyfriend, so to speak, uh, or somebody that she's having a, a, a particular encounter with, and you find her tied up, and she says, "Do you love me?" And if he, of course. I don't know. Did he say I don't? I don't. Or he didn't. Just he just didn't say anything. I don't remember. Uh, but he then leaves and then enters Yo-Yo. And Yo-Yo, we mentioned, is is this other powerful character? Uh, you want to talk a little bit more about that scene, Mark? Oh yeah, it's a great setup for our character because here she is tied up. She, uh, we have Yo-Yo. We get that exposition to set up that she's got, you know, she's a bodyguard or used to be for one of the crime pe- bosses down Jeez. there, and yeah. she's trying to, you know, turn her life around. It's the classic tale of, you know, uh, brought back into the crime family, so to speak, for one more job uh, that goes awry, of course. <laughs> but in this scene with her being tied up we get to see how she uses her uh talents to free herself and beat the crap out of the guys (laughs) that show up with yo-yo and i thought it was i thought it was an interesting setup and introduction to her character and pretty much establishes her you know right there without we didn't need to go into too much more than that it's like oh okay she's a badass there we go uh you know quite effectively too it's just amazing that she's completely tied up and she manages to to get out of that situation so that trick she did with the footboard that was badass (laughs) that was that was really badass (laughs) but of course uh during this thing it was kind of a yo-yo's way of getting her reintroduced and she of course then has to uh accompany them to a a drug deal and we get to meet the main protagonist uh or not protagonist antagonist uh his name is uh of course plughead and the reason why he's called plughead is he's just head is covered with all these like plugs where uh, they use them throughout the film and plughead is played wonderfully by uh vernon wells and uh i'm sure uh, some of you guys have uh seen him in other movies uh like uh mad max 2 and that sort of stuff so what did you guys think of plughead we'll start with uh angelique what did you think of plughead well it was just for me the the sort of work that i do i was trying to figure out what all the different plugs were i was like okay there's a coax there's a serial ata (laughs) there's There's no HDMI because that wasn't around. Wasn't around, no. (laughs) You know, um, but he was, he kind of reminded me of, um, oh, what's his name from Scanners? Michael Ironside. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. You know, it reminded me a lot of him and and, um, a lot of like um, Dennis Hopper from Blue Velvet. Oh. This is like the the technological version of um, Frank Booth. (laughs) <laughs> he had to get he had to get plugged <laughs> baby wants plug you know? <laughs> well and the interesting thing is that we uh, we are immediately like the first thing that we know about plughead is that he used to be a, a psychoanalyst for the for juice uh and so we, we we get to know that he he really does like people's minds and and so you know it it, i thought it was just an interesting character thing Uh, what did you think about that mark oh plughead yeah Yeah. i I got a trip out of him man i'm like (laughs) i'm like sitting here going yeah when you when you mentioned dennis hopper from blue velvet he (laughs) 
he has that vibe to him. He really has that kind of energy that weird, unstable, weird, unstable. But, you know, I mean, because you're watching this guy throughout this film and uh, he just gets more and more plugs. In, <laughs> at one point in this film, he's got like cables coming out of his head uh, that he's he's keeping in his head. I'm just like They're like his hair, you know, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like his head. It's like the but, twin dudes from The Matrix. <laughs> yes. But, Thank you. Uh, I thought it was interesting that, you know, he he, he used his, uh, you know, the plug to help uh, plug into other people's minds to, you know, to uh, um, to get their memories, because that fits along with the exposition we get in the beginning where the last frontier to be ravaged is the human mind. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and he goes across the country uh, ravaging human minds. But. What I what what threw me for a loop with this character is like okay I think I've got him figured out I get I got it figured out and then they get to the surface later on where there's the bad air and suddenly <laughs> he goes on this like monologue about the pollution and <laughs> and how we need to protect the environment and I'm just like wait. <laughs> Like, this is the same guy. <laughs> this is the same guy who was killing people that two minutes ago by pl- jacking into their brains, and now he's sitting there going, "Oh, but the environment, man." <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, what? <laughs> I wonder if that actually came from the original, um, because essentially this movie uh, was written and directed by Stephen Lovey. And he just came out of like um, director school, you know, the movie film school. And he had this he had this short that won uh, an award, which was Circuitry Man. And then from there, they, they gave him like the green light to make a full length movie of it. I'm, I'm just wondering if if that because of how pronounced that that message was, if that wasn't a part of that short that originally came out. So huh. I would I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, usually when that happens with the shorts to feature, you do get a chunk or a section or something from the original short it's based off of. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, but it, it, for me, it just seemed out of place. It did take me away from the character. I, I got a kick out of Plughead, you know, I mean, the, the guy was pretty badass, uh, you know, especially when he made the one guy put the air hose back in his nose with his lips yes. oh, that just, was nuts i'm just like wow okay amazing right this is just on some other level of of <laughs> what the hell uh you know <laughs> but i like that though about his character but the, just that little soliloquy or whatever about how you know man ravaged the environment we shouldn't have we should have protected or whatever that that monologue but it was basically a pro-environment speech and i'm just like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but I loved that interaction that he has with Yo-Yo right during that thing, because y- you get to establish that Yo-Yo isn't going to change who she is based on somebody just telling her that, um, you know, she, she basically is like, she, she lived in this one type of world. It's like, I don't care. And he's like, huh? he was shocked by her. Uh, saying that you know basically she she wasn't she wasn't as involved about the uh the environment as she or as he was and it was just an interesting thing yo-yo was a cold tony yeah, she definitely was uh she she had a great shtick too of of whoever she was with if that guy or person died she'd just be like 
oh hey boss hey, i boss. mean like like instantly like yeah you know and i like that about her it's just like oh okay she's just gonna roll with it because as long <laughs> as she gets to beat the crap out of people or kill them she's good yeah so. definitely which is a, a definitely a stark contrast to our our love android named danner um because <laughs> What did you think about Danner? Just his concept, the Romeo, made me very uncomfortable. How come? How come? <laughs> I just, you know, I'm like a love robot. Come on. Oh, it's the future, though. Yeah, but come on. <laughs> As I said, they borrowed from like every sci-fi film before it, like every sci-fi film. So of course you're going to get the love robot. Okay, well, then, I, I take yeah. it back. He didn't make me uncomfortable. His outfit made me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> nice. His his wardrobe. I don't know. I'm like, man, the, the pantaloons <laughs> <laughs> were a bit much. I mean, just just a little bit yeah you know he had a nice place though for a love robot you know definitely but th that shows that he kind of started out with he, he was he was making a lot of money but then you find out that he's maxed out his credit but the reason for that is because uh, basically they messed with his mind they programmed him to be in love with a ghost you know somebody that doesn't exist Essentially, Juice goes, reprograms Danner so that he would go on a mission because he's synthetic. Uh, so he's got to be really good at piloting uh, the maze, which happens to be just the series of underground like parking garages. So imagine a world where you can connect like Los Angeles all the way to like maybe Oklahoma City with just uh, just underground parking garages. And, so, and he knew the path, apparently. And, and so because of that, they needed him. And in order for them to be able to cheat him so that he would do it sort of freely, they programmed him because, of course, he is a synthetic. So, you know, just program it in there. You love someone so much. You don't even know who she looks like anymore, but you love her because that's what you feel. And you're going to go all the way and do this mission because you love her, because you want to save her. And he continues down that path. He's almost suicidal because of that. So what do you guys think about that? That's interesting. Well, it's reminiscent of a lot of, you know, news stories mm -hmm. today. I mean, people fall in love online with a ghost of something, you know, it uh. could be the person that you're, you think you're talking to, but it's not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people have done some crazy things for uh, for love. It honestly shaped shaped some of my relationships, you know, back in the day. I used to think that love was like this, where where you could believe love. But and then somebody came along and told me that, uh, because of this, I had this syndrome where I was in love with being in love, not with the person. And exactly. that's what that's what he was. It. He was in love with being kind of in love, even though. Program wise, he was in love. So uh, what about you, Mark? What do you think about that situation? Oh, with the Romeo? With Romeo, yeah. The Danner. The the would would you like to be programmed to love, you know, somebody and just have somebody implant an entire love relationship in your head? Uh depends on the relationship, I guess. Ah. <laughs> um <laughs> uh, do say, do speak, do say. Oh no, I um 
Gonna get yeah, you a job. It, it, no, not at all. Uh, it, it's interesting. They, they they explore this idea of love or fake love through Danner in this film called Circuitry Man. <laughs> um, you know, where where we're, you think it's just this post-apocalyptic world, and we've got you know the villain spouting speeches about environment, and then we've got our love, you know, the exploration and the whole concept of love and what is actual love, and that, and through him, and you know, I, I got I, I got a kick out of uh, Romeo because he he kept like. I'm going to kill myself if, if if you don't find her. I'm like, dude, you're doing this hostage thing wrong. You're, you're not supposed to say I will kill myself if you don't give me the information. That that doesn't everybody's like, "Okay, <laughs> do it." You know, I, yeah, it's like you got this kind of backwards though. I love the fact he is named Romeo. So, you've got the whole, you know, Shakespearean thing there where you know the the whole love and death and and drinking the poison to stay with the true love type of thing uh with him because he is romeo uh, uh you know or or romeo droid I, they call him romeo uh you know so they're they're playing with that theme too so yeah i, I mean it's an interesting exploration it's just a little odd as well to show up in, in a film like this mm-hmm. and as far as implanting the idea of love uh you know it, it, are, it, or am i aware of the idea or not because that that would change the whole approach to uh what you have because if you're not aware the idea was implanted then mm-hmm. you know it, it could seem legitimate to you so I think they did kind of explore that in this film because at the beginning he does it. He's not aware. And he, he kind of goes on this whole suicidal binge doing that. And then when he does become aware of it, he's still down that path, but he does change. And, and, and also throughout this entire thing, you see his relationship with, with Lori getting closer and intertwining and his, his vision of the person that he loves kind of merges in with that and in and out and in and out. And they do expl- uh, explore that even more in the next, you know, the sequel film, but we won't talk about that much in that detail. So uh, <laughs> I can't believe they made a sequel to this at all. They did, uh, he, he, the same, same director, same writer, and uh, some of the same stars as well. Though I will say, their idea of the maze yes is is driving straight <laughs> i i don't think i he took one turn it's like it's like he's going to navigate the maze you mean just keep driving he's going to drive through this one area of the parking garage until the leeches fall from the ceiling <laughs> it's the same parking garage too <laughs> yeah we're just going to oh, drive yeah. around it's a yeah. horizontal version of the credit early the the main credit scene you know it's just horizontal yeah. <laughs> yeah. so i was kind of trying to figure out this i was figuring oh okay they got this kind of bit of a labyrinth thing and and different things no it's an empty parking garage with, <laughs> yes. you know also that leads me to believe who are these people living on the surface because everybody was supposed to go underground yeah. and then they run across out of nowhere the last chance oxy station. Yep, the last gasp. Last gasp. The last gasp. <laughs> yes, the last gasp oxy. With with this whole crew and small town vibe to it. And I'm like, 
where the hell do these people come from? They make a big <laughs> deal about this whole thing. And it's like there's people living up there just like, oh, yeah. Okay. Because they can't run the maze, like a lot of people can't run the maze, so they're going on the surface, driving the oxygen back and forth, back and forth, and, and that's and all. They, they didn't really even need it. They didn't. I'm just <laughs> like it's like you know a heavy pollen day. <laughs> <laughs> heavy pollen day. I mean, it just smells like uh, you know someone continuously uh, farting sulfur. But I mean, you know, it, it's not like. Yeah, yeah, it was really weird with the air up there that uh, how they played with it. How sometimes it really affected them, and sometimes not as much. Exactly, and, you know, the air hose in them. You know, the, we get the airlock scene at the the oxy station where it's like the minute you start breathing it, these people start suffocating. But then later on, same people don't have the air hoses in their nose yet; they don't seem to be reacting too badly to the open air. So I. I loved that air airlock scene. That was one of the funniest scenes in the thing. That was so awesome. <laughs> they go back and forth. Basically, Lori and and the the the, the they to uh, set things up in the last gasp cafe uh, in order to uh, because they didn't have real money, obviously. Uh, so essentially, uh, the Romeo uh, Danner uh, makes a bet to do eight ball and and he does it for oxygen and if he loses he goes in the airlock essentially that's kind of a, a weird bet because it's like okay you win you get oxygen if you lose you die and that happens uh but essentially the the very first move uh the romeo says uh eight ball in such and such a pocket and you see him f f basically hit the hit the cue ball and you don't see where the balls go but you hear them falling into place <laughs> and of course he wins but since he's he's got to be synthetic nobody trusts a synthetic he goes into the airlock and then that starts a whole big fight of lori uh and one of the best scenes she says she you know that that's my friend uh, and so that's why she's going to to protect him. And she's like opening the opening the airlock. Somebody else closes the airlock. She opens the airlock and goes back and forth, back and forth. What did you guys think of that scene? That was such a John Wayne Tavern fight. It was so awesome. That's well put. It was a it was an old Western fight is what <laughs> it was with the comedy, you know, it written in there as well. Again, as far as tone of this film, it's all over the place. Uh huh. I mean, because you get this scene now, which is rather comical. And then you could tell earlier they were trying to play a little bit more serious action. And then you were trying, I mean, this film just is like people throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks, you know? <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, I like that scene though. That was, that was funny and it definitely had an old Western vibe to it. Well, and, and that scene does it, it, it like you you were saying earlier that Lori is a, is a very kind of like a, a very impressive, very skillful type of, of character. And, and she, she really shows her, her fighting prowess. But then also throughout the entire movie to kind of actually emphasize what Mark was saying about how how this movie just thematically goes back and forth like like 
all over the place is that you also have characters that that very much objectify her with nicknames and stuff like that you know they they call her like sweet meat and and all sorts of things like that it's just weird that they 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 didn't just didn't stick with a theme like mark like mark was saying is just they just go all over the board let's throw it on the wall and see what sticks or let's just throw it on the wall and even if it doesn't stick who cares maybe it's one of those scrape it off the floor and put it on a plate anyway yeah (laughs) boil it like the leeches and eat it (laughs) speaking of which we are also introduced to a character named leech uh i'm assuming that's a nickname because he eats those things uh he's he's a great great character uh played by uh dennis christopher um also i think he's a, a decent actor uh, what do you guys think of Leech? You're, you're introduced with him. They're basically uh, in the underground and uh, the leeches fall from the, the ceiling and they're all covering them. And he comes in with a flamethrower. What, what do you think of that character? Well, every sci-fi post-apocalyptic road trip needs a tweaker. Ah, and yes. So <laughs> he, he's probably as close as you're going to get. To, to to the the, the, the druggy guy, the, the the stoner guy, if you will. He's uh, gotta chrome his teeth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Leech was uh, Leech was good character because he 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 was a good middle ground or or you know, he was that third party observation you want. So you don't just have the the Danner you know, a uh, main heroine relationship going on. Uh-huh. You know, he kind of helped break that up, and he, he was the bit of the comic relief as well, and a bit of a dick. So, <laughs> you know, but he, I imagined him being as close as he would come into this movie as being the stoner guy, that's mm-hmm. the, the, the the tweaker guy. You know, that that nervous rat guy that uh, you you kind of need but don't want to take and. Uh, yeah, so he was all right. And they did need him in the second act to introduce a little bit of a complication because they were way ahead of Plughead, even though Plughead had this basically monster truck with guns that he could plug into. Uh, he, he was just way behind and the inept cops that were in this movie were even farther behind. And so you needed a reason for Plughead to be able to catch up with them. And so how they did it was basically Leech is sitting outside when they're in the last gasp ca- uh, cafe. And he just basically says, screw you guys, flips them off and takes the the Galaxy vehicle, the Galaxy XL vehicle and drives off and leaves them there. <laughs> A 1964 Galaxy vehicle that has yeah. been uh, made to run 500 miles or, yeah, to the gallon, you know, or 800, whatever thousand but, miles to the gallon it could run on water. Yes, uh, and if, but at the beginning of the film, they talk about 40 years after the oceans have dried up, they're yeah. still using water as fuel. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, because I, I was, I'm not wrong. He was saying that it runs on hydro or it, whatever. It's a hydro converter that to like 800 miles to the gallon, which should take them all the way to New York and beyond. <laughs> well, yeah, they're still using water when when the it dries up. <laughs> you know, and they they still are making whiskey apparently in moonshine because uh, uh, the bar had alcohol. So yeah. <laughs> Of course. 
And the truck driver had, I don't know what he was hauling or what he was supposed to be hauling. It was like he was hauling an apartment. Uh, <laughs> hauling grapes and wine. Yes. But I think, I think it was a, like hydroponic so that he could, he could make his own oxygen. But he was supposed to be uh, hauling oxygen containers. But it wasn't your typical truck, like, like Mark said. It was like, uh, like an apartment back there where he was growing like weed or something. It was like one of those type of like Ooh. labs yeah <laughs> not that i know what a weed lab didn't look like. like weed to me it looked like shrubbery shrubbery yeah well <laughs> it, it was just it was just house plants it's like you know uh and and they're in a it's a trucker it's an actual over the road trucker some regular old hauler semi and what they do this thing in there though where he's in <laughs> the, the actor was great for this because they're in this the, the, they're doing the inside shot of his cab with him driving but you know they're not actually driving mm-hmm. and he's like humping the steering wheel he's just like <laughs> uh, shaking himself around and you can tell he's just shaking himself <laughs> around enjoying cab. his coke yes definitely <laughs> and I'm just like oh man <laughs> that guy, he's making the most of that 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 role. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, and, and it's a good thing. But here's the thing that that truck driver was the guy that they were originally had an argument with, but he he had a change of heart because, of course, Lori you know, convinced him that, that it was okay. And that, that it was, it was worthwhile to save them and that they were on a noble mission to New York. So he decides to take them, uh, because, and then Leach, because Leach stole their vehicle. So they had no other way of getting there. It was, it was a thing of honor. It was a thing of honor. She earned his respect by kicking everyone's ass. Well, as you should, as you should, right? Because (laughs) that's, that was, that was the sci-fi world. That's the dystopian world. You, you get to you get to win by beating the snot out of people. That's how you do it. And wear rather nicely pressed flannel, apparently, because people on the surface, while they have to breathe in oxygen through tanks, their laundry is fantastic compared to those underground. Because they don't worry about water. Yeah, because they don't worry about water. Yeah. Uh, as, as, as we see that the relationship between Danner and Lori uh, improve at this point, because, you know, he hears that she, she's she actually calls him a friend and of course she does the normal thing of backing out and, and and then he gives her a compliment something that no one else in the film has done complimented her on her outfit that she made and he could tell that it was her that made it and even convinces her to wear a skimpier outfit that she had made so what did you guys think of that scene he's smooth man <laughs> he's a romeo bot of course he's gonna be smooth <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, i'm like sitting there going okay yeah i saw was this that pushing, was that just pushing it or it, it was predictable right <sighs> it was predict- not so much because it didn't go any farther oh, than, it, right. than it did thankfully <laughs> well in, in here you still have the sign of the times because uh here you have your uh you know, your strong female character, but as this film goes along, you get kind of the budding, you know, feelings for the Romeo bot. Uh, <laughs> and in this scene, you know, I don't know if it was just her supposed to be to let her hair down and, you know, them grow together, but 
that for me, I was, I was hoping they wouldn't go there. And, and Angelique's right. At least they didn't go all the way there. Like, you know, maybe some earlier eighties might've, but it's still, (laughs) it was still hinting at there that, you know, she was kind of getting these emotions and that was softening her. And, and for me, I did quite like that because I, I I wanted them to keep her a little bit more badass. Uh Yeah. You know, do you think it would have if the Raiders and Plughead didn't stop the truck at that point? Do you think it would have gone on? Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. He yeah. Romeo, Romeo had his extra programming in effect at that point. You know, <laughs> love how you called that. <laughs> you know, as Data said, yes, I'm anatomically correct in every way Ooh. and uh, i'm i'm schooled in multiple methods you know so he was kind of like data and cheers data <laughs> so of course the raiders uh stop the truck um and they they basically quarter the uh draw and quarter the the truck driver uh they capture uh danner the romeo bot uh but this kind of is also uh kind of a cliche of the times and this also set a lot of my role-playing style. I don't know if you guys know that I, I do enjoy role-playing. Uh, not in bed or anything like that, but actual no, I was just going to okay. say, right, drawing, right. drawing quartering and Dice bed. Dice papers. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> TMI that people, actually, probably people do want to know about that. <laughs> get a little too messy. And, yeah. But um, essentially, that that did uh, set the way I role played for quite a few years and probably still today is I do tend to be like the Danner character where I want to, I want to uh, basically be the martyr character and say, go, go. And I, I will distract them and, and I will, you know, and then on the flip side of that, you get Lori that says, you know, I hope you find her, even though she knows the darn truth that it's all fake, but I hope you find her. Uh, and then she gave him a thigh knife. She oh, gave him a thigh knife. Oh, I called it a crotch knife, but thigh knife works too. Yeah. But it's a good thing she did because it comes into play later. <laughs> yes. It, it, yeah, yeah, yes, it does. But I can can, with that seed though, can we just yeah. mention real quick our, our plughead? Yes. It's off on pain. He actually <laughs> plugs into the guy they're drawing quartering just so that he could feel it. And like, <laughs> yes. Man, this, this seems rather creepy. So that's something that I didn't understand. Does everybody have a plug? In this world, they 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 can. I mean, if you think of in terms of cyberpunk, most people had like at least one data jack. This, of course, Plughead went overboard with it. Sure. But yeah, most most people that would have anything to do with machines. So they're in like if you played a game called Shadowrun. I did. Okay, (laughs) you know that the riggers, they use their data jacks to plug into the vehicles. And that's kind of what uh, Plughead and Danner do in this film. Uh, But then you have like uh, hackers, um, which essentially plug into their data decks. And then those will get plugged into them into the big matrix type universe so yeah most people did have them but then you have people like the bodyguards the cyber samurais you know that don't have the plugs because they don't need that because they're working on their their bodies and they cybered up their bodies in different ways so you get characters like jugs who who kind of is like a cyborg but he he probably didn't have a data jack because he didn't need it he was kind of into those archaic type cars you know he had that ford galaxy uh, and he kept it well maintained, even though 
obviously he couldn't drive it because uh, for the audience out there, Juggs is basically a character that when we are introduced to him, he's suspended in the air and he's got this huge like engine attached to where his his lower half of his body should be. But anyways, to answer your question, I think that this world, uh, there are quite a few people that have data jacks like that. Okay. Because I was like, hidden. where is he They're plugging hidden. into? Yes. Well, it, well, he showed, though, that even if they didn't have a data jack, he could, plug, he, could, he could plug into their brain or into the back of their, you know, at the base of their skull and and get their their thoughts or feelings or whatnot. So he's reading their electrical he, impulses. He just, he just stuck his plug into everybody. <laughs> naughty, naughty. Oh, plughead, you old card. <laughs> During that scene, he gets to, he gets to say one of his like best lines. You know, it's like I love the power, and then he actually says head rush. <laughs> love that part. That's where I got the Frank Booth thing for real. I was like, oh no, yeah, no, no, no. But it, it's not the first time that he he you see that in that because it, throughout the movie you see his character and he's he's like even when he first tried the chips, he's plugging them in and he's you could feel his entire body loving you know the technology and and it, it he's such a weird character like like mark had all, uh, mentioned that you know he's this technology guy you know he's he's basically uh, mostly machine and then he's talking about the environment and saving the environment well and you got this guy who who is all about like revving up the power and, and but he's also interested in people's minds you know so he's this weird weird type of character that is is so has two sides of it. it's like he's like like the 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 double-faced god you know janice type that character you know he's just he's got two sides to him i'll just say that uh you uh, uh really uh are finding some deep stuff into this really cheesy low budget b sci-fi film <laughs> and i love it <laughs> you've already you've already brought up you know janice and exploration of of love but i mean let's get to the nitty gritty <laughs> this film just is a, just a b sci-fi action film that uh yeah, I mean, I'm sure some of those things are, are in there, but for me, I was like, oh, man, I don't know. Uh, but Plughead <laughs> was was a complicated character. I don't know if they intended it to be a layered character, like mm. an onion or parfait. Uh, <laughs> yes. Or, or more of the fact of they weren't quite sure what to do with his character, so they just decided to try yeah, a bunch of Like, wait a minute, things. we can't kill him. This is going to happen. Okay. No. Shit. We can't kill him. Uh, let's do this. Yeah. And then yeah. Hirana's mosh painting. Okay. <laughs> you know. Well, the the thing is, I mean, they they, they don't set it up at all. Uh-huh. It, it, you 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 are right. You pick up on it as it goes along that, you know, he's devoid of emotion. So the only thing he can get any type of feeling is by jacking in. Mm-hmm. Is basically what it is. Uh, you know, now that just reminded me of one of the lines of, of, uh, I'd rather jack in than jack off. Yeah. Well, why jack off when you, or when you can jack in? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, when I he used does to say get, that to my friends, <laughs> I did, I did. Wow. Oh, man. This episode, you will know more about me and my parents will disown me at this point if they listen to this episode. So many things. Don't listen to this are, episode. So many things coming to light about Paul now. Oh. 
But Sadly, it, my parents know everything about me. <laughs> but no, I think you're to the point, yeah, that you're saying with Plughead is that, you know, he doesn't feel emotion. So when he does feel emotions, it, it's like intense rush for mm-hmm. him, you know, and, and that's that's what it is for for him, whether it's pain or pleasure. He doesn't care. He just wants to feel something because uh, because he can't anymore, probably because of all the cybernetic implants that he has, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he doesn't have free Wi-Fi. The poor man. Oh, look, Plughead's a hotspot. See, now if he was made today, he'd be like a hotspot, and there'd be a whole bunch of millennials standing around Plughead, going, "Oh, look, I can't get free data here." He'd be like, right. "Go away." Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Oh my goodness. 4K circuitry man. I love that they use circuitry man as an insult. Yes. yes. You know, he's talking to Romeo, ah, circuitry man. I'm like, you're one to talk. <laughs> well, and then the fact of, you know, with the cover and the movie and the way it's all angled as far as all the box and stuff, yep. it makes you think that circuitry man is Plughead. But Plughead isn't really the circuitry man. The guy who gets called circuitry man is the Romeo character. But you know, in the it, last act, he is. Uh, so uh, let's, let's talk about the last act, actually. And then we, we, I'll bring it. I'll bring it up as we go through this. But he does get he, he does get called circuitry man by Danner. And, and I'll bring it up as we go through through this so let's talk about the last act okay um essentially uh this at this point um uh, danner omeric the romeo guy he's caught he 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 saved him he basically is using himself as just distraction so laurie can continue on with the mission and so he is at the mercy of plughead plughead has just killed the 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 trucker guy with the, with the help of his raider friends uh you know he's he's plugged into him and now he decides he's going to plug into the romeo bot and he just loves the fact that the romeo bot is so receptive because of course he's synthetic so there's nothing stopping him from being able to access danner's mind um and then of because of that he's able to show Danner, not just tell him, he gets to show him through the recording that he has of Juice announcing about the ghost in the machine, his loved one saying that he, that he, she is just a program. Uh, and it just devastates him. And so what do you guys think of that scene, guys? It was kind of heartbreaking a little, yeah. but, but then kind of like, this is the twist that you were kind of hoping for mm. with all the craziness going on. Like there's gotta be something to just kind of ah, make it worth all the wackiness. And that was, and I just, I love juice. Yes. Juice is amazing. Juice is what I picture, you know, large Marge <laughs> becoming had she survived the truck wreck. Nice. You know, <laughs> but she was just, she was evil, man. And she was, she was an interesting character too, because of that. A little bit stereo, you know, one, like two dimensional, but I did like that because of that. Just like you did. That was kind of as exp- I figured they were getting to that point at some point, the synthetic versus synthetic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I, I thought it was good. I mean, it, it was a good exploration and, you know, you see it coming, you know, it's eventually going to get revealed to Romeo uh, to, to Danner, I keep calling him Romeo, but yeah, yeah he's, he's, he is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, it's going to get revealed to him uh, eventually because they kept 
hitting you, you know, he, he kept coming up. So you're like, okay, someone's eventually, he's going to get a clue. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I like that. And plus he, he needed that so he could move on and, you know, have feelings for, for, uh, Lori. So, you know, and I liked it. It was creepy. It got a little, you know, more of a horror vibe to it. And I, I like that bit, uh, where he gets to, to plug in and, and, with each other so yeah it, it was it was cool i mean then you know the visual effects they're on a very low budget but they use, they use video feedback very well so mm-hmm. and then um also too uh he does something a little bit unexpected instead of just outright killing the 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 secondary hero i'm, I'm gonna call laurie the hero of this film still uh he offers to let Danner successfully kill himself now that he knows the truth and leaves him there. Yeah. And, and then we're then taken on to see what has happened to Lori. Lori is about out of oxygen, which is kind of an interesting thing. It's like uh, Danner sacrificed himself so that she can continue the mission. And nowhere in his mind did he realize that she doesn't have enough oxygen to complete the mission. <laughs> She's probably going to die in the in the in the desert. desert you know, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you, you know why that is is because her clothes were disintegrating. Ah, I, I'm not quite sure what happened there, but I'm watching it going. Okay, well, a throwback to cartoons. You know, in the desert, your clothes just waste away. <laughs> I was gonna say because you know her dress is fairly intact when she runs off, and then and then as she's walking through the wilderness, you know, the the wasteland, her dress is all ripped and and it's tattered, and I'm just like, what I miss? What the heck? sand <laughs> is abrasive? Okay. <laughs> Well, and she must not have had the most high quality materials down below to build her. You saw the gauzy linen she was working with? Come on. That's exactly it. Actually, there was a deleted scene where she was actually having a raider party with all this like water that was spraying out. And no, don't. I'm just kidding. There wasn't a deleted (laughs) scene, but that would have been that would have been what destroyed it. She's running out of oxygen and, and, and we get leech showing up. And Yay, randomly, just, just randomly showed it's it's a small desert. It's a small desert. That's all I got to say. And they're all going the same way. They are all going the same way. And he was looking at them before uh, when the motorcycle gang came up. So, you know, at least they established that he was kind of hanging around a bit, probably feeling I, I'm guessing guilt for why he brought. I mean, she was the contact. So he was kind of needed her to yeah. for the fence, you know, so. But, but that that guilt kind of turns into greed oh, yeah, like, of course he finds out that she has the seed chips or finds out what it is first of all that she has and they're all seed chips and it's like oh i can make lots of money with this and so they, of course they they barter and haggle for for a percentage of of what it's going to do i think Lori is distraught thinking that you know her romeo guy is is going to die <laughs> and uh so she was she's like very much okay with just getting a part of the of the thing that was going to change her life the whole reason for taking the the chips was that she could make a new life for herself and get away from the underground and all it does is take one little adventure and she kind of changes i don't know if that was (laughs) intended or not I'm not sure either, but I, she didn't seem too broken up over Romeo at, at, for, or over Danner at first. She was like, uh, 
Yeah, you know, it, <laughs> I think she more wanted oxygen than she cared about. What Give was it to me. <laughs> with Danner, you know, and then, and then we get to the end where you've got one of the better seeds because Leach was smart enough to handcuff the the uh, <laughs> briefcase to his hand and the machete guys show up, the motorcycle gang, and they want to steal the chips and they bring the thing down and you think they chopped off his hand, but they didn't. They chopped the chain. And I like that. I, yeah. I thought that was good. I was like, I was kind of hoping he'd bring up a bloody stump, but uh, <laughs> the direction they took, I thought was, was good. But again, the humor, like out of nowhere in this yep. film, it's, they it's, set up that scene so much because the scene right before that, they showed a guy with a smaller like dagger ready to chop it up. You could see it holding it to the wrist. So of, of course, when you see a guy with a big machete, what are you going to think? What are you going to think? Chop, chop, mofo. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, uh, let's see here. Oh, and uh, da, 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 da. we get the uh, final final battle of course we get to we get to see uh some reveals uh for example you get to get to reveal that the cops are truly inept again in this world uh you get to find out that juice is not dead you, you thought she died in in the first uh first act but she is still back um and uh you do get that mentioned because i think danner shoots uh, a plughead and you realize that plughead is more synthetic than he let himself be you know uh and then you have the final climactic battle scene between uh danner and uh, plughead and it, it it was it seemed appropriate to have it in the battle of minds you get to you get this this dreamscape like uh like mark was talking about and so what do you guys think of that scene uh, we're going to start out with our guest, Mark. What did you think of that climactic battle scene? Danner pulled a sword out of his chest. That was badass right there. <laughs> he pulled out the flaming sword like Voltron. It was like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, okay, that was that was pretty cool. Okay. He, he takes that hip dagger thing, stabs himself, and pulls it out. Like, like you said, like Voltron. And it suddenly comes out to be a bigger sword. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Love. <laughs> like he's 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 become the dream master, ah. if you will. Uh, well, yeah, you knew it was going to come down to a meeting of the minds because, like you said, they they were alluding to it the whole time that the mind is the last battlefield, the last frontier. So, of course, our climactic final battle between our two synthetics is going to take place in the mind. And uh -huh. yeah, I thought it had a nice little fantasy vibe to it. Uh, you know. I thought the I thought the flaming sword was like reminiscent of the Archangel Michael, and again I'm I'm thinking too deep into this film, <laughs> but that's what I did. I was like, oh, bless oh. your, bless I mean, they're standing on a pile of sand-covered naked human bodies. I mean, <laughs> that too. Come on, <laughs> but he was the devil. He was the devil, and you got Michael doing ah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I I totally dig it. <laughs> I, I'm sure that actually is the imagery they're probably going for because he was dressed in white the whole time anyway. So oh, he was yes. the angel. Yes. Oh, you know, good point. Good point. <laughs> he was the whole time he was dressed in white. So and he was protecting her in the long run. So, yes, she was. He was her guardian angel. If you want to <sighs> dig deep. Yes. Aww. I love it. Her circuitry angel. Her circuitry <laughs> angel, who's also Aww. talented in multiple methods. So there you go. 
can't even picture that mullet. Uh. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> uh, what did what did you think of Danner's uh, line to Plughead as he disposes of it? Basically, uh, you you get the you get the cliche fight thing where a Plughead says, "You're just like me," and then Danner says something I think surprisingly, maybe just a little. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of that? I thought that ad, that was part of the humor that they, they did throughout the entire film. I just loved it. <laughs> I mean, the dude just had his whole world destroyed, so maybe he was just a little hacked off. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it that was that was pretty much the humor in there, you know, that you had peppered out throughout the film. So I thought it was fitting, you know, and the way he delivers it too is a oh. little pensive. And, <laughs> you know, or maybe just a little. Just a little. <laughs> just a little. Slice and dice. You know. <laughs> All right. We're gonna take a small, brief, and happy break. And when we get back, we're gonna get our final thoughts about Circuitry Man and uh I guess say goodbye, maybe? And now, we take a short break. Are you hip to the fact that the greatest actors on Earth are Corey Feldman and Linnea Quigley? Do you realize that Jim Wynorski and Neil Breen are the best directors? Then Junk Food Dinner wants you. Junk Food Dinner is the schlitziest cult movie podcast on the internet. Each week, three schlitzies each pick a movie and then relentlessly argue about them or occasionally lovingly agree upon them. Find us on your app of choice or online at junkfooddinner.com. I'm releasing these files to the public today. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astro Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast hosted by me, Derek Carey. I was one of those monster kids growing up. The one that used to sit in the back end of that video store and scour over every single last film cover you saw back there. From the slashers to the monsters to the sleazy stuff. Yeah, I was freaking obsessed. And I still am. So much so, I became a filmmaker myself. Now I bring on all my filmmaker friends, critics, musicians, and any other fans of the dark arts, which are horror, exploitation, and cult film. Are you one of these people? Then tune in and listen to my show, Astro Radio Z. Hey, welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) So we hope you've enjoyed our uh, giggling and fits about Circuitry Man so far. So we're going to get to our uh, Film Jerks rating system. You like it, which means, yeah, watch it. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, Lump it, which means, no, don't bother. Save yourself and your time, because time is precious. Or maybe, which means, yeah, give it a whirl. If you don't like it, you can turn it off 15 minutes in, 
you know, no hard feelings. So <laughs> <laughs> let's go to our guest, special Mark. <laughs> circuitry man, circuitry man, doing the things a circuitry can. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, uh, circuitry man is for me. Uh, eh, yeah, uh, it, it's see it with a caveat. I, it's not going to be for, for everyone, but if, if you're a fan of the cheesy 80s, even though this is from 1990, if you're a fan of the cheesy 80s uh, uh, B-action sci-fi films um, of the 80s that were, that were abundant, uh, you, you'll definitely get a kick out of it. It's it, um, Paul has found some really deep stuff into this film more than I, I would have kind of expected. Uh, and it, it is fun. It is fun. It, it just, this is a, definitely one of those where you just sit back and you don't think about it too hard and it, you enjoy the performances because uh, Wells is, is so his plug head <laughs> is worth watching it. But like I said, if you're kind of looking for a decent, like, oh, actual, like kind of good sci-fi film, then you may want to pass it up because you'll, you'll be too busy going, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's a, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and our, our resident bow tie jerk, what about you? Oh, as much as I gushed over this film, I'm going to say lump it. No, uh, I love this. <laughs> yeah, film. Right. I loved it. Like it. Definitely like it. <laughs> oh, if if you right. like it, good laugh. This definitely was like, yes, yes. Go, go, go. <laughs> oh, well, OK. Um, myself, I'm going to have to go kind of along the same lines of special market. Uh, maybe I, I've got to watch it again. This is the first time watch for me. And. I was perplexed for most of it and then, you know, kind of crazily amused by the rest. So I think one more watch for me and, and that'll seal the deal. <laughs> it, it's, it's got its charm. I'm going to say that it, 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 it's, it, it does. I guess <laughs> it, there, there's a certain charm. I'm not quite sure what that charm is, but it, it's a, a certain charm, a certain character. Uh, this was uh, mostly a first watch for me. I've seen bits and pieces, but I never watched the whole thing from start to finish. So, uh, so it's like it, the charm you get at the bo bottom of a box of stale Cracker Jack. No, no. You put the 50 <laughs> cents in the machine at Kmart while you're waiting for your mom to buy the stuff and uh -huh. the coupons. And you got the quarter machine there and they got the little plastic bubbles with the charm inside that looks like it's chrome, but yes. it's actually plastic. Yes. Gotcha. That kind of charm, you know. <laughs> I, 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 for me, it was Hollow Beach with the with the horse. Come on. See, I would always like. Oh, that's the one thing I want, and you can see it. But when you twist the the knob, oh, that's yes. not the one that falls down, <laughs> and it should have been. Yes. <laughs> so, Order based rage. <laughs> Order based rage. Oh boy. I think you see I think you created a new term for me anyways. Oh my god. All right. I think now is the time to find out where you can find us when we're not at film jerks. We'll start with our uh, movie licious Mark the movie man. Where can we find you? You can find me on the Twitters at MovieManiac3D. You can find me in Facebook. Uh, you can find the, the Final Cut 
Facebook page as well as the Spoiler Room page there and SpecialMarkProductions.com really for your one-stop shop for y'all your movie man needs. Uh, we've got the Spoiler Room archives there. We've got the uh, final cut episodes there as well as some other things that I work on. So yeah, find me there. And sometimes I'm even on WeLiveEntertainment.com. Ooh. And how about you, our luscious lipstick jerk, Angelique? Uh, well, of course, you can find me here. You can find me on Facebook. Just look for my name, Angelique Bone. Not that hard to find. Just please don't leave me creeper messages. Oh, so many deleted messages I've gone through. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Angelique. It's okay. No, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can also find me on, on Astro Radio Z uh, Many iterations I'm a frequent guest and love every minute of it um, You can find some writings By myself and some really cool cats On thelosthighway.com And um, also at the Night Keep um, The newest album Ex Tenebris I am uh, a part of that project Which is Ooh. really really cool Definitely worth checking out uh, for myself, you can find me at uh, Forsaken Film Reviews, and also you can uh, learn about a uh, one of my favorite projects that I've been uh, working with. It's the Northeast Wisconsin Horror Film Festival, and you can find more information about that at newhorrorfest.com. Yay. So um, from all of us here at Film Jerks 2.0, uh, I want to say something clever like don't jerk it, but that would just sound silly. <laughs> Uh, so it Why do I shiver when you're near? Well, something is pulling me under, around me there's lightning and thunder. Do you see it? <laughs>